This is Rising Up with Sonali, and I'm your host, Sonali Kolhatkar. You can watch this program on Free Speech TV and on community and independent radio stations nationwide. The Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, or CMS, earlier this year rebranded an aspect of the Medicare program that used to be called Direct Contracting. The newly named ACO REACH stands for Accountable Care Organization, Realizing Equity, Access, and community health. According to CMS, its purpose is to, quote, encourage healthcare providers to coordinate care to improve the care offered to people with Medicare, especially those from underserved communities, a priority of the Biden-Harris administration, end of quote. But advocates of protecting publicly funded health care for seniors and who want to see Medicare be expanded to all warn that this new model of payment is a backdoor to privatization and have launched a campaign to overturn it. My guest is Dr. Anna Malinow. She is the a recently retired professor of pediatrics at the University of California, San Francisco, past president of Physicians for a National Health Program and lead organizer for National Single Payer. Welcome to the program. Thank you, Sonali. I'm so happy to be here. I'm a great fan of your show. Thank you. I appreciate it. So let's mm-hmm. first talk about this direct contracting model. So those of us who are not directly uh, enrolled in Medicare, you know, we might have heard of Medicare Advantage, but we haven't really. Uh, there's a lot of technical <clears throat> complexities, which is part of the problem. And it seems as the Medicare keeps getting more and more complicated. What exactly was direct contracting now rebranded ACO? reach? Well, you're absolutely right. It is complicated. And uh, as much of our healthcare system, it's another complicated um, part of it. And uh, sometimes we feel that the complication is uh, unnecessary. Obviously, if we had Medicare for all, um, a national single payer program, it wouldn't be this complicated. We wouldn't really be talking on the show probably. But um, the, before we start talking about direct contacting entities, I think, or d- Medicare direct contracting, I think it's really important to set the stage by talking about Medicare in general. And as I'm sure you know, and your, and your viewers and your listeners know, Medicare was passed into law in 1965 after a huge amount of opposition from the um, health insurance industry, from hospitals, and of course, from the American Medical Association. And um, they found a compromise, and the compromise is called the three-layer cake. The three-layer cake consists of three layers, obviously. There's the part A, which pays for 100% of your hospital cost. Um, so this would be, was going to be for seniors once they turn 65. Uh, they would automatically get part A, pay 100% of their hospital cost. Part B, which would only co- uh, pay 80% of their outpatient costs, and then Medicaid. So that was the three-layer cake, and Medicaid was for people, for poor people's um, healthcare needs. And um, since 1965, obviously Medicare has gone through a lot of changes. Uh, it includes more people, uh, but there was always, always this this door to the that that allowed the private health insurance to be part of our public program. Because when we talk about that Part B that only covers 80% of outpatient costs, who pays the 20%? Well, most seniors that can afford it then pay for a supplemental or gap insurance that they purchase through a commercial private health insurance plan to cover that 20% gap. And so from the very beginning, there was always a little 
space there made for private health insurance in our public programs called Medicare. Now, sort of fast forward to, uh, that was 1965. In 2003, uh, Bush and uh, signed after Congress passed into law, the um, Medicare Modernization Act of 2003, which opened the door even further to commercial private health insurance plans for people on Medicare. And so before 2003, if you think of Medicare sort of like, like a pie, a very small slice was, went for people who actually turned 65, went on Medicare, and then decided that they wanted to have a commercial insurance company manage their care. But after 2003, when the doors were flung wide open for private health insurance, more and more and more seniors signed up on Medicare Advantage, which is really a private health insurance plan once you turn 65 and are on Medicare. So it's not your employer paying your premiums anymore, it's the government paying for your premiums and they pay the premiums to these commercial insurance companies. And over time, more and more and more people signed up so that today, almost 50% of seniors sign up on Medicare Advantage. So that means that 50% of Medicare is already privatized. Today, it is already privatized. And what's the problem with having commercial health insurance in, in, our, in our public program? Well, it's huge. It costs the government more. Um, it does not provide better care. Um, in fact, um, it recruits healthy seniors, but it kicks out unhealthy and sick seniors. And um, so, so not only does it, does it cost more, it, it, um, it keeps 15% of every Medicare dollar for, for profits and, and administration. So just think of Medicare already being half privatized. Now, the Medicare budget for 2020 was $1 trillion. Now that's a lot of money that keeps capitalists up at night, you know, trying to figure out how they can get that money. Because honestly, Medicare Advantage um, is much more lucrative to commercial insurance plans than even employer-sponsored health insurance is, which is amazing to think about. So the private insurance companies already have half of that $1 trillion, and they started looking at the other half of, the, of that pie. How can they get access to the other $500 billion? Well, they found a very willing partner with CMS, the Centers for Medicare and Medicaid Services, um, in that they basically colluded together. Maybe collusion is not the exact uh, word, but, but, but they were a very willing partner to start to privatize the traditional Medicare part, which was really the public part of, of Medicare. These are seniors that rejected Medicare Advantage and wanted to stay in their traditional Medicare with their Part A and Part B and, um, and their supplemental plans. So how do they do that? Well, what CMS did is uh, in the waning days of the, of the Trump administration, they created this program called direct contracting that what, what it does, it, it inserts a for-profit middleman called direct contracting entity such as like DCE, that's where the word comes from, which are mostly investor owned, private equity, venture capital, commercial insurance companies, straight out of Wall Street to manage the care of seniors on traditional Medicare. And they're doing this without the consent or knowledge of those seniors on traditional Medicare. And, and you when, have you to say, wonder, when you say sorry, manage care, what does that mean exactly? What does that look like? 
well, you're right. That's a great question. What does it mean to manage care? Well, whenever you're inserting a, a, a middleman in between uh, the, the care of, of um, the, the patient, uh, because, um, it, you know, the idea to manage care is to coordinate their care, to decrease costs, and to improve outcomes, right? That's the whole purpose behind HMOs, health maintenance organizations, and ACOs, and um, Medicare So, so basically, is, is it profitable to allow patient uh, X to get this particular treatment? Will it be worth the money that we're going to spend on? I mean, that kind of, those healthcare well, that, decisions based on cost? That would, that would be the idea. The idea would be to make um, informed choices for your beneficiaries that would lower costs and improve care. But the problem is that with commercial insurance companies, as with the investor-owned companies that own these direct contracting entities, their, their, their aim is really profits for their shareholders, right? Otherwise, the they wouldn't be interested. I'm sorry? Otherwise, they wouldn't even be interested. They wouldn't be interested. They wouldn't be in business because, because the social responsibility of a business right, is to their shareholders. And so and it is not to the patients. So whenever you insert a for-profit middleman to manage care, you always have to worry about the fact that there is a huge incentive there to make a profit. And that is the problem with our healthcare system is that there are huge incentives to make profits. You know, we spend $4 trillion on, on, on our health, national health expenditures. And the reason why we keep spending more and more money every year is because at the end of the day, somebody takes home $4 trillion, right? And so there's very little incentive to keep costs down when, when there's a profit to be made. And now there's a huge profit to be made, $500 billion to be made on that part of Medicare, which is known as traditional Medicare and is being threatened by direct contracting, which are these these uh, DCEs, these middlemen that are now going to be inserted to manage the care of, of seniors on traditional Medicare. And as I said, these seniors are not choosing Medicare Advantage plans, right? Medicare Advantage tries to recruit patients through their incessant ads, right? Joe Namath and, and, and it all sounds that. nice, Medicare Advantage. Who wouldn't want an advantage? Exactly, it sounds really, really nice. But the truth is, is that while it might be nice for some seniors that don't need healthcare, when you need healthcare, when you get sick as a senior, then you face the narrow networks, the prior authorizations, the denials and delays in care. But back to the, the DCEs, is that um, there, there is a huge incentive for them right, to make a profit. And as a matter of fact, while Medicare Advantage by law has to spend 85% of the Medicare dollars on healthcare, these DCEs by law <laughs> can spend, um, up to, must spend at, at least 60%. That means that there is a possibility, it will be not very frequent, but there is a, there is a possibility that they can take home 40% of the Medicare dollars. Most of them are probably going to be ending up ending taking up 25% of the Medicare dollar. So this really threatens the solvency of, of Medicare overall. But back to the seniors, they're being the, the way that they're being recruited is not is not like with Medicare Advantage. The the East DCEs are recruiting physicians, physician practices. Basically they're they are recruiting the doctors, they're they're 
uh, buying the doctors, the doctor practices. And then um, they, all, any patient that is in that doctor's panel automatically gets assigned to that DCE that the doctor has joined. So the, the, the patient, it, it, is, it is this bait and switch. It is this backdoor privatization because patients are not choosing this. It, they, they're just being, they're being sent a letter that says, well, now your doctor has joined this DCE and you're part of this DCE. And that's how they're being recruited. Wow. So now they've rebranded it to ACO Reach. And as I mentioned, um, you know, the, the, the acronym is quite lengthy. Uh, Accountable Care Organization Realizing Equity, Access, and Community Health. The, those buzzwords, equity, access, and community, right? Those three buzzwords in particular are meant to invoke the sense that this is for the good of vulnerable people. And in fact, CMS's press release says that it's there to help underserved communities, a priority of the Biden-Harris administration. What's wrong with that? Uh, everything, everything is so wrong with that because it puts a bullseye on on uh, people of color and people in, pure, in, in poor underserved communities. Um, so we cannot possibly trust corporations which created inequality in the first place to achieve health equity. In fact, everything in our healthcare system that raises prices, the premiums, the co-pays, the surprise bills, the hospital bills, all reduce wages. And why? Because wages are, because premiums are just deferred wages. And they contribute to things like homelessness, to bankruptcy, to food insecurity, and to death, ultimately. As, as I said, the incentive for a corporation is not equity. It is profit for their shareholders. And that's the social responsibility for business. And by making, by, by taking public dollars and giving them to the profits of corporations, you take away from the resources that could go towards creating true equity. Um, and it's not you know, only the obscene amount of money that we spend on militarism and empire, but also the wasted resources on healthcare, the subsidies that go, the billions of dollars that go to, to subsidize the exchanges that go directly to private insurance companies, to Medicaid, which is already privatized, to Medicare Advantage, to these DCEs and now to the ACO REACH which could be really better spent to improve the social determinants of health, such as you know, paying for a living wage, canceling student debt, canceling medical bankruptcy, and of course, paying for a national single payer healthcare system. Mm. So paying corporations more money to achieve equity is just uh, not going to happen. And so what your point in particular around the end goal for progressives, which is to expand Medicare, to everybody, that gets threatened when you have this privatization approach to Medicare, right? It's, a, it's terrible for Medicare for All, exactly, because if we privatize Medicare, then there won't be any Medicare for All left to fight for. Absolutely. Tell me about the campaign that PNHP has launched to target this, because, you know, it took you and me 10 to 12 minutes to come to an understanding um, of what it is that the government is doing, it, you know, it seems as though the public might have a hard time understanding what the attack is all about. Doesn't fit easily on a placard. Tell me about the campaign that PNHP has launched to expose this and, and undo ACO reach. 
So, you know, our campaign, um, it was Physicians for National Health Program, National Single Payer, and many other organizations, public citizens, social security works have been working really assiduously since, um, well, the end of last year, November, December, uh, to try to convince members of Congress, many of whom had no idea what direct contracting was, that that it, it need this is a program that needed to end. It, it, it was um, uh, developed under the Trump administration and then the Biden administration instead of stopping the program altogether, which they could have, definitely they could have, what they did is they just rebranded it, right? And then they opened up the doors even further for more privatization of traditional Medicare. So we've been working really hard, um, writing letters, uh, signing petitions, um, visiting with members of Congress, and as a result of all of our um, activism, in fact, that's what that's what resulted in the name change. One, and then two, in March, the Con uh, Congressional Progressive Caucus issued their slate of executive actions for President Biden. And number two on that slate was um, and to issue an executive action uh, ending direct contracting entities, which President Biden could do with a stroke of a pen. So that's something that people can do. We have um, a couple of petitions out there, one to Secretary Becerra, uh, telling Secretary Becerra is the Secretary of Health and Human Services. He could also stop this program tomorrow if he so wished. So we have a petition. We also have a petition to President Biden ask, urging him to issue an executive order to end direct contracting entities. We have a campaign to call the White House. Today is, um, well, uh, this week, uh, any, any Tuesday, Wednesday, or Thursday of the week, you can call the White House from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. Eastern time and uh, urge President Biden to, to issue that executive order. Uh, we have a, a couple of websites that, that you can go to. One is uh, protectmedicare.net, and you can find out a ton of information about this topic if you, you know, want to inform yourself further. And uh, there are petitions there and scripts for you to read when you call President Biden. You can also call your member of Congress. And um, then uh, there's another website, uh, nationalsinglepayer.com, and we have instructions there uh, to sign the petition for President Biden, as well as the script when, when you call, call the president. So uh, this is a winnable fight. That's one thing that I, I, I've been in this fight for a long, long time uh, for uh, Medicare for all, for national single payer. Uh, I've been doing this for decades, uh, but this is the first time where I really, really feel that this is a winnable fight. We have to fight back the privatization of traditional Medicare. And then next is going to be to fight the privatization uh, through Medicare Advantage. And then we're going to get uh, a national single payer. I want to share your optimism. Thank you so much, uh, Anna, for joining us today. Really appreciate it. Of course, it's been such a pleasure. Thank you, Sonali. Keep up your great work. Thank you. Appreciate it as well. My guest is Dr. Anna Malinau. She is a recently retired professor of pediatrics at the University of California, San Francisco, past president of Physicians for a National Health Program and lead organizer for National Single Payer. I'm Sonali Kohatkar. You can access this and other interviews on our website, risingupwithsonali.com by becoming a subscriber. Find our audio podcast on iTunes and Spotify and follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram at RU with Sonali.